Okay. All right. Well, um, so just a couple of housekeeping things. If you did not receive an email from me this week, then that means I don't have your email. So just uh, either uh, as you came in or as you're leaving, just put your name down, but also your email address. And I'll make sure this week to put it into the BTI um, group list so that you'll start getting the emails. Um, I know that that it was sort of a little little bit late on getting you the syllabus and the module or the uh, orientation syllabi. Um, so some of you were not able to get the book. That's okay. Just go ahead and get it this week. Um, <clears throat> so if you could see, I just took a f- couple screenshots. So these are the books that you're going to want to get. Uh, the first one over here on the left, that's the Biblical Doctrine book. It's going to be the primary systematic theology book for uh, BTI. Um, it's fairly new. If you were in previous BTIs, we were using Ryrie. So now it's switching, and it's going to be this one. This came out pretty new. It's like two years ago. So you're probably going to have to buy it brand new. So Go ahead. Yes. Oh, very cool. I've got, I think, two left, so if anyone wants to let me know, um, I'll just put your name down. Um, and then the group one is Godly Man and Godly Women. Um, I've got two of those coming in as well, so. Awesome. I'll have them next Sunday. Yeah. And that's another thing I was just going to mention is for the next module, what I'll try to do is maybe even like two weeks before we actually get going, send out the syllabus and the orientation uh, syllabi so that you can get the books on time. Then I'm going to connect with the bookstore, and we're going to try to get everything ready so the first day we're not losing you know any ground. We can just get going. Um, but this is my first time administering this, so please bear bear with me. I'm kind of learning as I'm going with you. Um, so, uh, is there any questions about what was due or anything like that, or how the, how the homework is supposed to be done? No? If not, you can ask me afterwards. I'd, I'll be happy to pull it. I have the syllabus right here, so I could kind of show you how it, how it works. So, intro to theology. That's what this section is. So we're going to be going through, all through BTI for the next two years, we're going to be going through theology. Now, what is theology? That's a, kind of a good place to start. Just What is that word? And let me just say this, that as we go through the, the course, you're going to probably learn a lot of new words. If, if you've never really gone through a, a comprehensive study of theology or uh, anything really related to Bible doctrine, you're going to learn a lot of new vocab. And it's, it's going to be the same with uh, really any discipline that you go to, if, whether you're in medicine or mechanical work, engineering, computer programming. Every discipline has a set of vocab. Theology is no different. There's a set of vocab that years ago, 
scholastics, when they were studying this, want to know how do we communicate with each other in a very precise, very specific way. So they developed theological language, um, like uh, theology proper or um, supralapsarianism or amillennialism or post millennial these these words were developed so that when people are communicating with each other they can speak very precisely very succinctly and it's the same with with other disciplines whether it's computer programming i'm sure computer programmers they have a a whole lingo that when they're talking with each other they just switch right into it and they're just they communicate same thing with theology but we're going to learn as we go we're going to try to learn the definitions as we go so hopefully as we go, you'll, you'll learn more. So theology, it comes from, uh, the word comes from uh, really two Greek words, uh, theos, which means God, and logos, which means word. So you put the two together, and it's, you're speaking about God. It's a word about God. That's what theology in the broad, in the broad sense means. What we're going to be studying in here is systematic theology. And there's different types of theology. There's exegetical theology. Exegetical theology looks at really just verses and the words itself. Um, it looks at, uh, really it starts with the, the biblical languages, but then you can work up to the English. But it looks at uh, how is the, the verse constructed? Uh, who is the subject of the verse or the verses? Um, what is the action? What is the verb of it? What is the complexity of the sentence? Is, is there a clause? Is there a, uh, um, uh, any, any uh, two subjects? Uh, what is the particular verse teaching us about God or about whatever the whole of the chapter is teaching? So that's, that's exegetical theology. That is primarily done by like someone like Pastor Steve when he's putting together his messages. Or, or uh, David, when he was preaching today, I'm sure that he was pulling out uh, his Greek uh, lexicons and doing word studies and understanding the construct of those verses that he was studying. He would have probably the last week or two been kind of hanging out in the exegetical theology area. The biblical theology moves from that exegetical area to the larger of what does what does the the gospel of Matthew as a whole teach about God? Um, what does Matthew teach in regard to sin? Um, uh, what does Matthew teach about the Trinity or Christology? It looks at either a particular book like Matthew or an author uh, like Paul. What does Paul teach? Um, what does John teach in the Gospel of John and First, Second, and Third John and Revelation? Um, what is what is Moses teaching in Genesis? Uh, so it looks at a book, an author, or even the 
Old Testament theology would fall under the category of biblical theology. Um, And then you have historical theology. Historical theology uh, studies really the development and the history of doctrine, the history of of, uh, theology, Um, all the way from the the last of the apostles, the closing of, of, of our Bible, to modern time. How has theology developed? And you can actually look at what, is the, what did the early church fathers teach about Christ? What was, what was, what was the early church fathers' view of the, of the Trinity? And then you can actually go back and look at, uh, uh, like, Clement of Alexandria and look in, in his writings of what did they actually, what conclusions did they come to uh, in the second century? Um, and then you can actually trace that of where are we today. And you actually can learn a lot, not only about um, good theology, but also heretical uh, theology. Um, like when um, someone comes and knocks on your door on a Saturday and they want to give you a watchtower and uh, give you an awake magazine. Uh, where are they at? in historical theology, well, they're nothing new. Their theology is really nothing new. They're just modern-day Arian, Arianism. Uh, that was an ancient heresy that was refuted way back in, I believe it's the 4th century. Um, another one is the charismatic, like Bethel Church, where they have new prophecy. Well, that's nothing new. Uh, they're, just, they're just regurgitated montanists which were from the second century, which was a group of people uh, that believed that God was giving new revelation. So historical theology studies not only good theology and how we came to what we believe today, uh, but also you can even look at heretical views and how did the church respond to that. That's where we get a lot of the creeds like the Nicene Creed or the Constantinople Creed were usually in reaction to heretical uh, teachings. That would all fall under historical theology. Uh, Philosophical theology, usually the theologians that that use philosophical theology would be people like apologists, people that um, that's what they do. They defend the Christian faith. So people like James White. Um, I don't know if anyone is familiar with James White. He's, he's a really sharp guy. Um, he debates Roman Catholics and Oneness Pentecostals and Muslims. Um, but it's, it's a uh, view of using f- reason and philosophy to argue for a particular orthodox position of the Christian faith. Um, so, for, for example, uh, if the apostles were covering up a hoax they called the resurrection, logically, they would, would have not died as martyrs for a lie that they knew was a lie. Therefore, the resurrection is substantiated as true. So that statement, what I just say, is a philosophical philosophical. Uh, theology, but it's arguing for a, a, a Christian doctrine. 
Um, so it's, it's not authoritative, uh, but it's really helpful at times. Same with um, historical theology. Historical theology is not authoritative, but it's extremely helpful. <clears throat> Applied theology is um, taking what you learn in systematic theology and applying it to your life. Uh, that's applied theology. So how does, um, how does your view of the inerrancy of Scripture, how does that apply to your life uh, when you go to the drive-thru and they get your order wrong? What do you do? Um, how does something like that seems, you know, the inerrancy of Scripture, how does that actually work in everyday life? That's what applied theology is, and uh, all theology should be applied. Um, I'm sure that you've heard the term practical theology, which I think that practical theology should make anyone's uh, skin crawl because it implies that there's something as impractical theology. Um, But all theology should be practical and applied. Um, And then we have systematic theology, Systematic theology can be, and this is where we're going to be hanging out for BTI, is in the systematic theology. Um, Systematic theology is the comprehensive, holistic interpretation of Scripture for the purpose of intimately knowing and rightly worshiping God. So comprehensive, that means uh, including all of Scripture. So systematic theology is focused on including the entirety of Scripture, uh, but also holistically, meaning that uh, all of the parts of Scripture are interconnected and cannot be accurately understood apart from the Word of God. And it's for the purpose of intimately knowing and rightly worshiping God. That's the, that's the end result. Um, now, one question is, how, how does it actually work together? You have exegesis, biblical theology, and systematic theology. So you have exegetical theology, biblical theology, and systematic theology. So if, if you did the, the reading and the, uh, in the um, MacArthur Mayhew book, there was, uh, where well, they actually talked about this, and they used the illustration of a house. So let's say that you're going to build a house. Exegetical theology would be kind of like all the parts, all the parts of the house you have right there. Biblical theology would be taking all those parts and making a foundation, laying a nice foundation for the house. And systematic theology would be actually the structure that you put on the foundation that you're building. So that's sort of kind of how how we arrive to systematic theology. We look at the verses, we examine them, take them apart, chew on them, meditate on them, extract everything we can, and then we look at what context it in is is it in the New Testament? 
is what we're understanding in the Old Testament? Um, is it prophetic? Um, uh, is it uh, uh, a prison epistle? Whatever it is. And then it moves on to systematic theology. So a, a good way to maybe understand uh, maybe uh, how we use it in everyday life um, how many of you have ever said something like when you're having a dialogue with someone, um, you know, the Bible teaches that salvation is by grace through faith. Or, you know, the Bible teaches that um, God is sovereign. That statement, the Bible says, and then whatever you fill in the blank, that is a, a, a systematic theological statement because what you're saying is the bible as a whole everything from genesis to revelation teaches that god is sovereign that's a that's a systematic theological statement um a biblical theological statement would be something like um the book of hebrews teaches that christ is superior to to the priestly, uh, the the priest uh, of the Old Testament, and he's superior to angels. That would be a, a biblical theological statement. And then an exegetical theological statement is, you know, Ephesians two eight and nine uh, say that um, it's for by grace you're saved. It's through faith, and that faith that you have, that's not even of yourself. That's a gift of God. And you need to repent. Uh, that is a, a exegetical statement because what you're saying is just one or two verses, and you're extracting what God is intending to teach. So that's kind of helps uh, figure out kind of when you when you read something that it says, oh, this is a, a biblical theology or this is systematic theology. Kind of understand how they all interwork. Um, and in fact. Uh, in the MacArthur Study Bible, at the beginning of every book, it has like the author, date, um, outline, and then it has a section that it says it's uh, the theology of the book um, or historical and theological position of the book. That's a, a biblical theology area. It's just focused on Deuteronomy or um, Isaiah. So within um, systematic theology, there's a number of, I guess it'd be topics, subtopics, topics under systematic theology. The first one is, um, would be prolegomena. And prolegomena um, really is a, uh, preliminary issues, um, everything that's at at the beginning. Um, I've I've heard one theologian say and explain prolegomena as the public speaker clearing his throat before he starts speaking. So to understand pr- prolegomena, it is a uh, in this context, it's a theological and philosophical clearing of the throat before you actually get into doing theology. So. This, what we are kind of doing right now, is sort of a 
prolegomena. It's, it's understanding where are we at and what are we about to get into. Uh, there's also bibliology where that deals with subject of the Bible. It deals with inerrancy, uh, inspiration, and how that works, and uh, other topics. Um, theology proper is the study of God, um, uh, and the Trinity would fall under that. Uh, angel, angelology would, is a study of angels, um, Satan. Um, anthropology is a study of man and the constitution of man. What is man? Um, uh, hematology is the study of sin. Uh, soteriology is the study of salvation. Um, <clears throat> Christology is a study of Christ. Uh, pneumatology is a study of the Holy Spirit. Um, ecclesiology is a study of the church. Uh, Israelology is a study of Israel, and eschatology is a study of the last times or end times. Um, Both Old and New Testament teach every one of those except for one. Old Testament doesn't teach one of these and doesn't cover one of these topics. Can anyone guess which one? There you go. <laughs> no, it's uh, ecclesiology. This, the church. Yeah, the church is only in the New Testament. <clears throat> So systematic theology versus doctrine. So theology or to theologize is a verb. Um, so it's, it's something that we do as we wrestle with the scripture. We understand what God is teaching. We read, we meditate, we apply. And then doctrine is the result of that process. Doctrine is what we kind of the end result of doing theology. So doctrine is the product of the process. So the goal of theology. um, The goal of theology is a a uh, transformed life. That's ultimately the goal, is to have a life transformed and a, a uh, life lived in worship. So the, the end goal of studying theology is that, is that you, have a, you are more Christ-like in the end than you started. It's kind of the goal of, of BTI also is to equip you, but it's to equip you for the goal that, that you would exercise your spiritual gifts to serve the body, but that, you know, when, when you're with your family, after going through this, your kids should be able to say, you know, dad is a, a better dad and more godly having gone through BTI. Or mom is way more patient and way more godly and loves the Lord more and more committed to reading her word than when she started BTI. Um, that's, the, that's the end goal of it. 
is to know God intimately and to a proper worship. The ultimate, the ultimate uh, type of worship that you could do is obedience and having a life that is lived in uh, a daily dying to self and living to Christ. Um, So the qualities of of good theology. So theology should be theocentric, God-centered, because I want to know God and be able to shepherd others to know Him. So theology is is always theocentric, not God-centric. And actually, there are there are, believe it or not, theologies out there that are totally man-centered theologies, um, like a, a liberal liberal theology. For one, is a completely man-centered theology because it examines man's man's experience with God. Uh, it's focused on how how does man uh, actually. Uh, experience or call out to God? What did man do to gain God's favor? Uh, It's man-centered. Good theology is theocentric, is God-centered. It is doxological, uh, glory-centered. It's for God's glory. Um. It should display consistency in Scripture, uh, with the Scriptures. Uh, It views the Scripture as inspired and inerrant, that all of the Bible is is, uh, inspired. Um, a theology, theological system that makes you interpret different parts of the Bible in different ways is forced. But a theo- theological system which connects the dots of the consistency of Scripture through the progressive revelation is useful. So it's, it's understanding that there is a, a consistency in, in Scripture not to say that that different parts of the scripture might emphasize certain aspects of God or aspects of Christ, um, but that there ultimately is a, a consistency, that there is nothing contradictory uh, within the word of God. Um, and that understanding that when you read the word of God, if you're in, let's say, the Old Testament, um, that that through uh, in within a particular book there's going to be certain things that are not said but yet later on that are revealed like for instance the church is one aspect because the bible was written you know uh, by over a thousand in the old testament is probably about a thousand years it took to write new testament was about 50 years to complete um, and that there is a process to the writing, but we have a the final product today 
Um, in fact, it's in uh, Hebrews 1. says that <clears throat> God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers in the prophets in many portions and in many ways, but in these last days spoken to us in his son. So that there is a, a process of revelation that took place. Uh, but it understands that there is still a consistency even within that, that process of the, of the revelation of God throughout. Um, and it's personal. Uh, so there's a, a transforming nature of, un, of understanding and reading and meditating and living a good theology. Um, the believer's behavior should change that uh, there should not be any any discontinuity between head knowledge and heart knowledge, they should be one. But as, as you go through and study um, systematic theology, what you'll find is that, that you have deeper convictions, um, that you will have uh, areas that you didn't realize that were blind spots to you before, and that now it's been revealed and that those areas that you can take care of. But that brings us to a question of, of uh, how do you handle a doctoral disagreement, which, which is a valid question to ask. How do you handle a disagreement uh, amongst ourselves? As you're studying theology and your convictions become more, what do you do if you have a conflict with someone over a particular theological issue? Well, here's uh, some questions that you can, you can ask that will help discern what you do. So the first one uh, is, what is the relational context? Um, is the person that you're having a disagreement with uh, are they a brother or sister in Christ, or are they an unbeliever? Uh, that will make a, a big difference uh, on how you respond, um, what you say. Uh, do you have uh, any type of a spiritual oversight? Uh, is it someone in your Bible study um, that you're maybe the leader or a co-leader of, of the Bible study that you have a disagreement with? Um, is it someone in your family? Is the disagreement with a, a friend who's a believer, but they go to a different church so that you really don't have any kind of spiritual oversight over them, but you still have this tension that's there? Uh, or is, is this disagreement that you have, is this with someone who's an unbeliever, someone who's a non-believer? I can tell you that with a non-believer... Um, having a discussion with them about the right view of the Holy Spirit is really useless unless that they have, uh, they have a regenerate heart. Um, all conversations with non-believers ultimately must lead to the gospel. 
because it's useless. There's no point of talking with them about any particular theological point uh, unless you get to the point of them making a decision that, yes, I'm going to accept Christ. I'm going to repent of my sin. I realize how wretched I am. Uh, unless they get to that point. Uh, otherwise, it's just it's useless. It's fruitless. Uh, what, is, what is the goal? Ultimately, what is your goal if you have a, a dispute over a particular theological position? Let's see. <clears throat> Here, I'll read uh, Ephesians, what was it, 4.15. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ. The ultimate goal uh, when speaking with someone, let's say that they are a, a brother or sister in Christ, ultimately should be love. Uh, love and uh, a gentle spirit. Let's read was it second uh, or first Timothy one five? But the goal of our instruction is love from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. That ultimately, is the goal is love is is what I want to do is not just win an argument. That's not the goal of our conflict. You know, the goal of the conflict that we're having is because I want to see more Christ-like in you, and I want to be more Christ-like. So can we, as a brother and sister in Christ, can we reason together? Can we do it in a spirit of love where I'm not trying to tear you down, that I want to build you up, that I want to see Christ in you, that after our conversation is over, that you are more godly and uh, and I'm more godly rather than what the opposite could be. <clears throat> Next is, uh, you could look at what, what kind of doctrine is at stake? What is, what is the topic that's actually is the disagreement? Um, is this doctrine that's in disagreement, is it necessary for the life of the church? Um, is it something um, so monumental that if you don't believe it, is it heretical? If you don't believe it, can that lead someone to hell? Uh, is the disagreement on something so vital as the deity of Christ or the virgin birth or the Trinity? Uh, is that what the disagreement is about? Uh, or is the, the disagreement uh, something that has to do with the health of the church? Uh, like a discussion of pedo-baptism uh, or lordsh- lordship salvation or spiritual gifts? Um, or is the, the doctrine uh, have to do with the 
practice of the church, uh, like a millennial position uh, or uh, church government or spiritual gifts? Or is it something that is uh, more speculative that shouldn't divide any church, uh, such as areas of uh, Christian liberty, the timing of the rapture, uh, or the order of the decrees. So what, where is it at? Where is the disagreement? Where does it lie at? So once that's figured out, how do you, how do you proceed? Let's see. Well, you proceed with love, uh, with understanding. Um, you can come at it with maybe say, look, when, I, when we talked, you can say something like this. When we talked last time, you mentioned this. Is this what you actually meant? And then maybe rephrase it back to them. Am I understanding you correctly? And then they can say, no, absolutely, that's not what I was saying at all. And then, okay, and then you can have that listening ear. Uh, be humble enough to be willing to be corrected. Uh, seek to see if there's a misunderstanding. Be patient uh, with learning. Uh, you could say, what have I missed in my understanding of this doctrine so far, and how can this person help me better understand it? So with patience. Um, with relationship building, how can this uh, relationship uh, be built up? And what opportunity can I use to honor the Lord during this time? Um, so for, for example, let's say, let's take, um, uh, let's take, for instance, uh, let's take John MacArthur and R.C. Sproul, right? Uh, we would say that absolutely both are believers, both love the Lord, both have that first, first aspect, that top-tier issue, solid, there's no disagreement on the deity of Christ. There's no disagreement on the Trinity, on the, the Holy Spirit, on uh, any, any of those things, the virgin birth. Uh, even the, the next one of like lordship salvation, they both would say absolutely lordship salvation, but then it goes down to something like their millennial views uh, or... Covenant theology versus uh, dispensational theologies. How did they, those two, handle uh, a disagreement? And in fact, there was a, a, you can, I think it's on Grace to You, the website, that they had a, a discussion um, about their views on pedo baptism, about baptizing babies. Where R.C. Sproul is a, he's a Orthodox uh, Presbyterian. And within covenant theology that there's a, a, they do practice infant baptism, but it's not the same as a Roman Roman Catholic baptism. So there's no, it's not a salvific baptism. Um, And then John MacArthur gave uh, his position on it. And it was great. It was great. They were able to walk away with respectful, with uh, love with uh, wanting to better understand each other. Uh, 
and there is no animosity. It's handled absolutely well as any Christian would handle something like that with another brother in Christ. And in fact, um, MacArthur spoke at his funeral. Uh, R.C. Sproul spoke uh, at Shepherd's Conference before. They had a wonderful relationship. But that's a, an example of how two believers can handle a doctoral disagreement still in love, still building the other person up, still with patience, still with humility uh, in, a, in a godly way that honors the Lord. <clears throat> um, let's see, I think that might... Okay, and that's it. So that is the conclusion of this module one, the systematic theology, the prolegomena and, and uh, introduction to theology. Um, is there any any questions? Anyone has? No? Okay. If you have any questions about what we talked about tonight or the module one syllabus or anything that's due, please ask. I'll make myself available. Um, also, if you didn't, Receive any emails from me this week. Uh, as you leave, just put your email address down, and I'll make sure that you get on the list. So, okay. Well, yes? Um, hopefully we will be meeting, uh, changing our time to the 9.30 Sunday school hour, and hopefully that will happen with about two weeks. No promises, but that's the kind of direction we're heading. <clears throat> Yeah, and as soon as I find out, I'll I'll send out an email um, as soon as I can. Um, so, okay, well, let's go ahead and close in prayer. Uh, Heavenly Father, we give you thanks that we got to uh, jump right into uh, the depths of your word, seeking understanding uh, with the end goal that we would be changed, that we would be more Christ-like than when we started. So Lord, I pray that you would bless this time, that you would, uh, that you would bless the service that's going to be starting uh, soon. I pray that you would put your hand upon uh, Pastor Darren, that you would bless the message, that you would be with him and bring everyone here and take everyone home safely. And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen.